There he comes pulling up in the driveway. It's Uncle Mortimer. You haven't seen him in, well, since this time last year, right? And you know he's going to put the lampshade on his head and tell all those dumb dad jokes. But, hey, that's what Thanksgiving is for, right? Gather everybody around the table and catch up on what's been going on. Fight over that turkey drumstick. Fight over politics. You know it's a bad idea, but for some reason you do it anyway. Thanksgiving is here. Though at Bankadelic we prefer to call it Banksgiving. We'll be talking about what made our year, what made us glad, what made us grateful, what made us thankful, and what we're looking forward to as the candied yams are split up kindly, evenly, fairly, among an otherwise restless brood of hungry people eager to get out and shop for Black Friday Cyber Monday deals. I'm going to introduce to you today's guest. We have Sidra Berman, the CMO of Engageware, Joanna Pugh, the Managing Director, North America at Mambu, Jill Holman, President of Deep Target, Amy Berger, Vice President, Solution Specialist at Tesla, and Brad Tompkins, the CIO at Virgin. We'll ask you to tell the audience a little bit about yourselves and want you to share the most unusual food stuff that you have seen grace or maybe <laughs> disgrace i don't know a thanksgiving day table and sidra will start with you take it away thank you so much for having me lou my name is sidra berman i'm the chief marketing officer at engageware where i'm responsible for everything from branding all the way through to the product roadmap to what we actually deliver should i launch into my, the most unusual meal during thanksgiving now I've just yanked the turkey leg away from you. So yes, you need to share that with us. I was in college. I was trying very hard to get home to my family. Unfortunately, trains, planes, and automobiles were not working. So me and one of my roommates in my apartment, we had reheated Chinese food for Thanksgiving. I really would have preferred to have been with my family. So I think Chinese food, probably a little bit on the unusual side. Yeah. And I guess for Chinese New Year, you could have turkey and stuffing. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Brad, you're next. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm with Virgin LMS. I'm the chief information officer here. We're a fintech lending platform. And as part of my job, I manage all the operations of the development team as well as the product team. I grew up in upstate New York, and then I moved at 18 to Mississippi. So I've kind of have you know, two different experiences there. Growing up, probably the oddest thing was the cranberry sauce shaped like the can and kind of squeezes out there. So that was an interesting one. And then when I moved south, sweet potato casserole was a new thing for me coming from up north. So turns out to be probably my favorite thing of all in Thanksgiving now. Sweet potato, cranberries now. I'm one of those people like everything needs to be on its separate section on the plate it can melt once it gets in my mouth but <laughs> yeah on the plate let's keep it separate yeah once the sweet potato casserole and the big cranberry blob right out of the can get together it's nuclear fusion as far as i'm concerned 
Alright, next up we have Amy Berger. Hi, thank you. Amy Berger here. Thank you for having me, Lou. I am a solution specialist at Tesla Software, longtime banker that moved into the software side of things, really love process and really enjoy working with banks to look at product development. So that's really my focus. And in terms of interesting foods at Thanksgiving, I came from a large Midwest family. And so I think back to being a little kid with nearly 30 people crowded around the table and it must be a family love, but we always had a lot of pickles, little dishes of pickles everywhere. And not something I do today, but definitely something that confused me as a child. <laughs> Pickles. <laughs> I remember reading in elementary school about the first pilgrims and the pickle food fight. So, <laughs> <laughs> Joanna Pugh, how about you? So, hey, Joanna Pugh, Managing Director North America for our Mambu. For me, you know, the thing I do the best is working through and building teams in North America to drive forward new financial technology within the entire world, right? And so the strangest thing for me for Thanksgiving, it's not strange for me, but strange for most everyone else, we always shucked oysters on the end of a tailgate and we char-grilled them every Thanksgiving. So we put the bacon bits, the cheese, the if you will, I'm Joanna from Louisiana originally. That was our jam. We loved chocolate oysters on the tailgate every Thanksgiving. That was our jam. And last but not least, one of our favorites here at Bankadelic, back again for another round of holiday punishment, Jill Homan. Hey, Lou. I love your holiday parties. So I'm Jill Holman. I'm president of Deep Target. We have a digital experience platform and we use technology to facilitate customer engagements for banks and credit unions. So that's what we do. And I, Brad, I'm like you, I grew up in Alabama, specifically North Alabama. You didn't grow up there, but you moved to Mississippi. So I'm like you in remembering some of the things you mentioned. So funny story, my mom was a fantastic cook, still is. And she prided herself, you did not have cranberry sauce out of a can. That was taboo. You created this lovely cranberry dip and then sweet potato casserole and all the fixings that go along with it. She was a fantastic, is a fantastic baker. And so pumpkin pie was her specialty. So here we are, imagine the Thanksgiving dinner that Brad described with everything on the white tablecloth and we're having the pumpkin pie. And the pumpkin pie is not mom's traditional pumpkin pie. It tastes horrible. And so we're all looking around very awkwardly because no one wants to say it. We watch her as she takes her first bite of the pie and she's left the sugar out of the pie. And so immediately she says, this tastes horrible. What are you all doing? And, you know, she proceeds to uh, you know, spit the pie back onto the plate. <laughs> so that's one of my yeah. vivid memories is sugarless pumpkin pie. <laughs> oh, my word. Oh. <laughs> As a segue, let's go from the unusual to the grateful. And one thing we don't get 
enough of a chance by far to do in financial services is look back with gratitude. I am as culpable here as anyone else. There tend to be a lot of things we complain about. Technology isn't fast enough. Traditional banks aren't doing X, Y, Z. You can go on and on and on. And we know those headlines. We have read those headlines. But I think it is really a wonderful and poignant time to look back on maybe the last several months or the last year since the last Thanksgiving and wax a little bit on what we're grateful for in terms of the things we saw happen in the industry. So let's see, who wants to jump in first? So this is Sidra. I'm relatively new to the industry, but you're absolutely right with your first comment. It is really important to take time, look back, and be appreciative of what we do have. What I'm really appreciative of is this is a great industry with great, smart, really hardworking people. But to your point, change is a constant and it's never boring. And I am one of those people who does tend to get bored quickly. That's been probably my biggest challenge with the lockdown is keeping myself busy. But I'm really grateful for this industry and that it definitely keeps us on our toes. In terms of the business that I work for, I work for a company called Engageware, which is really the marriage of two separate companies. One was called Time Trade, which focused on appointment scheduling, which I'm sure you can understand during COVID became extremely important, along with Silver Cloud, which was based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which has an employee knowledge base and consumer solutions to enable self-service capabilities. And I'm really grateful that these two companies have come together. These people are just so wonderful from the Silver Cloud side. And Portsmouth is such a beautiful, wonderful city. I feel so lucky and blessed every time I get to go up there and see my teammates. And then I guess I would be remiss if I didn't mention what I'm personally grateful for. And that is, of course, my family. Everyone has been safe during this lockdown. Everyone has been healthy. And in particular, I'm very grateful for my 15-year-old son, who will be turning 16 soon and getting his learner's permit, which scares the dickens out of me. But then the practical side of me is going to be very happy that I don't have to do the pickups and drop-offs nearly as much. I'll tell you what, Sidra, I have a 17-year-old. She just got her driver's license and... I worry about it, but I don't worry too much about it because as she reminds me all the time, she knows everything. <laughs> oh, just like my 15-year-old son. They must know each other. Hey, Lou, this is Brad. So I just kind of wanted to echo Sidra's comments and say, you know, this industry obviously is very interesting and mostly that's due to the people. You know, I've been most thankful for the relationships that I've built in my time. I've been in the space for eight years now. And as a lending fintech, you know, we get to deal with not just the customers, the lenders themselves, but also a lot of the partners and a lot of the vendors, you know, just year after year, the same names pop up. They may move to different partners or may move to different lenders, but just being able to build those kind of long-term relationships with not just our clients, but also the vendors in the space is, you know, something I'm really thankful for. And and it's just a welcome thing for work. You know, it makes work fun when you get to deal with interesting people from different walks of life and that kind of keep you on your toes there. You know, my daughter, seven, she's not driving anytime soon, except for our golf cart, but <laughs> she does ride her bike. So obviously I'm thankful for that. My wife as well on a personal level. 
That's fabulous. And boy, is it ever all about relationships in this industry personally. What a poignant time to bring that up, Brad. Joanna, I'm going to call on you because I have always enjoyed having you on Bankadelic Podcast and you have so much to share. You are straightforward. You don't mess around. So tell us, what are you grateful for? So from Mambu's perspective, the number one thing that was key for us this year was really understanding what not only the financial technology teams and companies needed, but it's what their customers needed and how do we satisfy that? And that was key for us. And that was the number one need across the world. So we talked to tier one banks, we talked to tier two, three, four, five, and we talked to non-bank lenders and we talked to others and it was key for them. How do we reach out to those markets that have not been reached out to before? And that was a hundred percent key for us. Last Certainly not least, in fact, maybe even sitting at the head of the Thanksgiving table, diplomatically dispatching with the sugarless pumpkin pie. Jill, what are you grateful for? Thanks, Lou. You know, when I think about the industry, and I've thought a lot about this, we get the privilege being a technology company that provides engagement software and analytics on the backside. We get the privilege of seeing what our banks and credit unions that we serve in the industry are doing. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for is that we serve an industry that has had, and how do I say this, a willingness to transform many things at an uncomfortable pace. And that has always been very hard for me to do. I think we've talked before, I'm an engineer by training, right? I'm very intentional and deliberate. And sometimes that's not a good thing, right? You know, I had a CEO tell me kind of midway through the pandemic, he said, hey, Jill, I am about to go into a meeting where I've always educated our tellers at the branch on what to do if someone enters the branch with a mask on. And he said, I'm about to go in there and do a session on what to do if somebody comes in without a mask on. He said, any advice? And I thought, how strange that is, right? But we have seen the big obvious is digital services, right? And how quickly we had to transform there. But things that I've noticed and I think are just amazing and wonderful are education, inclusiveness, being willing to step out and take a leadership position in areas like underserved banking. Those are things that have just been so cool and such an example in our industry side. And I am honored to be a part of it. When I turn my attention to my business and my team, one of the things that we say with the team, we talk about often small disciplines repeated with consistency and man, it's been hard to do that over the last 18 months to stay very focused, to stay consistent. It's over time, right? And so for my team's perspective in the business, I would say the biggest things I'm grateful for are we have a small team that has an intention and a passion and a commitment. And that has led to some long-standing efforts that have resulted in, we got a patent awarded, for example, a week ago last Friday. That was a two-year process, right? Wow. We're that focused and that tenacious in this environment, I'm really grateful for. And then finally, for me on the personal side, it's time. 
you know, when I was trying to articulate in my mind, what am I most grateful for? And you guys have said it so well, but time, whether it's family, friends, these wonderful coworkers, this industry, you guys, my parents, I still have both my parents, right? You know, and there's been struggles with health and the pandemic showed us how vulnerable each one of us, regardless of age, really are. So that's kind of my big deal thing if I reflect on it. And I love these sessions, Lou, where you push us to really think about it. So thanks for inviting me to dinner. Absolutely. And you push me, all of you collectively, to think about it. And one thing I wanted to share is in the morning, I wake up and very consciously try to recite a gratitude list, all the things that I'm grateful for. It may be thank you for the light in the sky and the way the trees are changing color. Thank you for a warm, safe home and food to eat. Thank you for my friends. And by the way, I borrowed that idea from Oprah, so it's not my idea, but... <laughs> <laughs> the effect of that I have found is it really sets the course for the day and oftentimes the difficulties I may run into. And since all of you shared this foundation of gratitude that you have, I'm wondering what kind of great things you feel it might be preparing you for, right? We are entering into a holiday where hopefully the pandemic is on the run again, We've all made it through some really trying times. We are succeeding, which is why you're here today. What do you feel gratitude right now is preparing you for? Lou, this is Amy. I wanted to share a little bit about the gratitude and what I'm thankful for and really what I think we have to look forward to. Really wanted to echo what Jill and Brad shared about the opportunities that we have working with people and in this space, being in fintech, working with banks at Teslar, we're a platform partner. And so what I think we have to be thankful for and also look forward to is the large scale changes that our banks and bankers saw last year and really had a chance in this year to think about those solutions and those technology solutions that they were maybe slow to implement in prior years, but have really embraced. And we're seeing a lot of our customer banks look to and question why we didn't implement some of those things sooner and what we can do to further enhance and digitize some of our processes. So we are excited about those opportunities. One of our core values is to challenge the present and develop the future. And so I think that a lot of us in the industry, as well as the banks, all the way down to the customers they serve, people are looking forward to the benefits that we'll see and be able to carry forward. I just want to say, Amy, I had to write it down because I love what you said, challenge the present. I was very lucky, very, very early in my career, I worked at GE, actually under Jack Welch, obviously so many levels below from where he was but did get the opportunity to shake his hand once. And what they would drive home is always think about how to put yourself out of business. And not that we want to put ourselves out of business, but we shouldn't just accept what's in front of us. We should really embrace the change and think about how we can use technology, processes, people to really elevate ourselves and do things better. We shouldn't just tolerate the way things are. We should always have that drive to continuously improve and use setbacks as an opportunity to actually show gratitude because 
they're an opportunity to learn, to do better. And the lessons that you learn the hard way where you didn't get the result you were looking for often tend to stick much, much better and influence you more than the ones where you did have the win. So I just really love the challenge, the present quote. I want to put that on a sticky note and put that on my laptop. So I look at that through the rest of the month. So thank you for that, Amy. Yeah, and this is Brad. I'd like to you know, say again, Amy made a great point that the one thing that this season in our industry did do, it did challenge complacency, you know, and really opened up a lot of opportunity for us in the fintech space and in the technology space to really showcase how our technology can be leveraged by lenders to kind of meet customers where they want to be met. You know, our legacy customers and new customers that we're being introduced to Historically, whether there were branch-based, you know, types, you know, were really complacent in that. And they kind of sat on their laurels. Well, the pandemic has challenged them in a way that ultimately will benefit them in the long term and, you know, really allowed us to showcase what we can do as a fintech platform and then as other panelists is in different ways, how our software and how our technologies can really help them expand their business in the face of the challenges rather than you know be affected detrimentally and brad i'll jump in there it's jill you know i think that's one of the things that we've all talked about gratitude and how really it's adversity that we've grown from and lou to answer your question you know for me personally and my company deep target we are in a time where we're moving from one stage of a startup company to the next stage and we're experiencing growth and that all sounds wonderful right but there are adversities that come with that so you're tooling and you're constantly moving ahead and you're making sure that you know people are in a position where they can learn and grow and then you're tooled you know as you accelerate and need to do things like that but it brings to mind the Friday after the shutdown and the pandemic, my family was walking. I have two college kids and my 21 year old son, college baseball player and just very active. And so four of us are walking, son, daughter, my husband and I. And my son goes, you know, if I had looked in a crystal ball and I had seen us right now at this minute, walking on Friday, there was supposed to be a baseball game that afternoon. He said, I would have thought, what did I do? Something has gone terribly wrong. And we've brought that up over and over again, because number one, it was terribly funny, right? But the imagery of what is happening, you know, that we never imagined would be happening. And we brought it up just to talk about the things we've learned and how we've changed, you know? And so Lou, I honestly think, so we talked about the business thing, I don't know what's next, right? But I think there'll be things we are not expecting. There'll be things that we'll be better equipped to deal with because of what all of us have been through over the last 18 months. So, you know, I think that's cool, right? Because we've all transformed, I'm guessing, at a very accelerated rate. I know personally I have. There have been things that I've had to face and confront and work on, again, at an uncomfortable pace. So I can apply that to me, you know, like I was talking about the industry. Fabulous. Hey, this is Joanna. So look, Lou, I mean, and you guys, what are we most excited about for 2022? This is like the tantamount for what could possibly happen. The future of what could happen, right? 
And so we have amazing technology. We have amazing financial institutions that are looking to do things differently. We have open banking, embedded finance. We have buy now, pay later. We have cryptocurrency. All these things, when you pull them all together, the future of tomorrow is what's better together mean? And better together is how we all bridge those gaps. And that's going to be what's key for us in 2022. How do we bridge the gaps? How do we get there? What's next for us? And next for us is making things happen, not only for our customers, but our customers' customers. And that's what's key for us at Mambu. And how do we make it sustainable, right? How do we make green green, right? How are we working as organizations to make sure that we're sustainable moving forward? So those are my two insights, if you will, Lou. So, wow, what a collection of responses. And if I may, I want to condense some of that into a real clarion call here, right? We're grateful. And yet we're not sitting back on the hammock falling asleep with a turkey coma here, spiritually or work-wise. What we're doing is we're getting ready to challenge things. We are challenging the present. We are challenging complacency. We are challenging adversity. That is very inspirational. And knowing you and knowing the companies you come from, I know that's not just talk. That is positivity made visible. This question may be a little bit more challenging, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's something I deal with often, and maybe you do as well, is that we may be grateful. We may be out there trying to make things happen, but sometimes the people around us aren't in that space. Sometimes people are cynical. They're negative. Perhaps they're just down. When you're in situations like that, how do you help lay the groundwork for people being more positive, more engaged. It's not always easy, but I'm sure you all have ideas that have worked. So Lou, this is Sidra. I'll go ahead and jump in. And that is a very complex question. There's no single easy answer. I think a lot of it has to do with why is the individual disengaged? Why won't they join in? Do they feel that they haven't been part of the planning process or that they haven't had a voice at the table? Is it that their voice is very different from the crowd? Is it they're not even getting an invitation? So, you know, it's really situational in terms of the approach that you use. But what I tend to find is when people see results from their efforts, even if it's a minor effort that leads to a minor result, if they see that progress, even if it's just a tiny baby step, with each one of those, it gets larger and larger and you get more and more buy-in. So I find communicating the goals to make sure people understand what we're trying to achieve, because sometimes it may be obvious to us as leaders of our organization, but it's not obvious to everyone else because they're not living and breathing it the same way we are. So if you communicate the goals, what success looks like, I find that's really 90% of the challenge. And I find most people want to be engaged. They want to show up to work and make a difference. It doesn't feel very fun to just collect a paycheck and sit there and surf the internet. So you really need to tap in to make sure they understand what's trying to be achieved and why. And if that doesn't get them bought in with a few steps for success, 
you know, that can be really challenging. And sometimes you can only throw so much positivity and energy. You know, 96% of the people, 97% of the people will come along. But then there are, you know, that small percentage where it just won't happen. And so you have to, in those terms, be very pragmatic and realistic. And so everyone really should have that opportunity. And so really just connecting with them and communicating and sharing what success looks like, I find makes a tremendous difference. That's a great thing, Sidra. And to kind of follow that point, and Lou, you know, this is close to my heart, just on working every day to be a servant leader and an empathetic leader, right? Leading with empathy, because I do think it's a very dangerous ground to tread on when you're expressing gratitude without taking that step back and thinking what it sounds like, you know, coming across the ears that are listening. And what I mean by that is we all go through different experiences and oftentimes we'll bury the more hurtful or hard ones because it's hard to talk about, right? So I think empathy is huge there and answers your question. Empathetic leadership, the best way I know to say that is put on those glasses, right? Like Sidra was talking about, put on the glasses of what the other person may be experiencing and think about how can you lead in a way that gets them to come alongside and then be vulnerable. Because I bet we all have stories where we can say, hey, I remember that time when I had a two and a four-year-old and a sick mom and a, you know, yada, yada, we all have it. Right. So I think that's a huge thing because look, I can get overly excited about some of these things we're talking about and then do have to step back and think about, well, what are the ears that are listening and how do we kind of build this environment where it's not just about, you know, unbridled enthusiasm, but coming together for a common vision and purpose. And that's a great point, Jill. I'd like to kind of echo that a little bit. You know, at Vergent, since I've been here, we've had the pleasure of being able to grow significantly in headcount. And with that, you know, comes the diversity of the team, right? So as you face kind of difficulties or, you know, intense deadlines or you face other opportunities for growth, and we try to bring this very diverse team together, really having that diversity in how people think, you know, not everybody's just a cheerleader and the people that aren't oftentimes are calling out something that maybe you need to focus on. Sidra made a good point in listening. And I think Jill echoed that as well is listening to those people that are a little bit on the less than chipper side. Sometimes they can be the kind of canary in the coal mine and let you know of things that are going on that need to be addressed. You know, if you were just surrounded by cheerleaders all the time, you may just have blinders on to some things that need to be taken care of and that will make the team more efficient and able to kind of rise to the occasion and meet those opportunities that come about as part of our daily walk. I think it really is important to ensure that we're balancing gratitude and not pushing into that toxic positivity space. Sometimes it is challenging to get everyone rowing in that same direction and everyone on the team engaged. And I think a lot of the advice or the items that have been mentioned both by Sidra and Jill have been really helpful. I would echo that and say, in my experience, I've seen 
helping remind others and sharing those successes across the team. In banking, sometimes it's challenging to change and just reminding everyone the challenges that have been faced in the last year and how everyone being a part of it is what has achieved that success. I think sometimes sharing in that together as a team is a very helpful way without pushing too far into that positivity space. Sharing together as a team. Team Sidra, Team Jill, Team Amy, Team Brad, and Team Joanna, thank you so much for bringing some really wonderful food for thought to the Bankadelic Thanksgiving table. I appreciate it. I should say Banksgiving table, right? Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. Have a blessed day and stay safe. Sidra Berman is the CMO of Engageware. Joanna Pugh, the Managing Director North America at Mambu. Jill Holman, the President of Deep Target. Amy Berger, Vice President Solution Specialist at Tesla. And Brad Tompkins, CIO at Virgent. You can find all of them on LinkedIn or else at some killer Thanksgiving spread. It's Uncle Mortimer and I, hey, I got some brand new jokes for this year. Listen, here's the Good first grief. one. A duck walks into a pharmacy, a duck, and says, give me some chapstick and put it on my bill. <laughs> and then this one, my daughter says to me, why do you tell so many dad jokes? And I said, well, dad jokes are how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I had a friend, he said, why did you bite Pete? I don't understand it. What's wrong with Pete? And I said, I bit him because Pete's a pie. <laughs> wow, what a great episode. It was a shame to say goodbye to Uncle Mortimer, but how many dad jokes can a person take? And I admit it, you may still think at this point that I am the financial services equivalent of a turkey. In fact, you might be right. Here's why. Some years ago, when I was working at AOL as a managing editor, they actually commissioned me to write a song about Black Friday, which I did. And boy, oh boy, did I get into it. As only a materialist can. And I'm going to share those results with you as we head out into the Turkey Day sunset. Thank you for celebrating via this podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. And here's the song, Black Friday. When the turkey's all done getting stuff, then it's your turn. Shopping bags I'm trying to drag While your cash burns
Bankadelic is a production of NMD Plus, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.